All right, we're going to get into God's Word. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 7 specifically. But I'm going to start us off looking at Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17 for a little bit of context. So if you are able, if you wouldn't mind standing and join me for the reading of God's Word together. Again, I'm going to start in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and then we'll move to Genesis 3, 1 through 7. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And then skipping to chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the Uh, from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Now you may have your seats. So I love my kids, right? For those who don't know, my wife and I have four kids, um, and I, I love them. And I like to think that I am good towards them. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect father. They will quickly tell you that. But again, I like to think that I am good towards my children. But there are times when they don't see it the same way that I do, right? Like when I tell them they can't have candy right before they go to bed. Or if I tell them they can't have screen time for hours and hours on end. Or if I tell them that they have to do their homework and they have to finish their chores, Or when I tell them that it's not a good idea to try to open up the car door while we're riding on the highway, (laughs) which has not really been attempted, but has been a topic of discussion for some reason in our, I don't know why, but, and we, what made it worse, we we have one of those vans with the automatic sliding doors. So now they know if you push that button, nothing's going to happen. I'll get a little alert up here saying it's, it can't be used, but now it's like, Hey, go ahead and push that. Dad, push the button. They just want to see if it's going to... It's like, no, why? All right. But, but in those times, they don't feel my love and my goodness towards them the same way that if I took them out for ice cream or when I play soccer with my boys or if I let them stay up later than their usual bedtime. That communicates my love and my goodness to them. But when it comes to the rules and the things I don't want to do, they don't feel that same goodness. Anybody, whether you're a parent, grandparent, auntie, uncle, even a babysitter, if you've ever cared for children, you know part of loving and being good towards children is having to set rules and enforce them for their safety, for their health, right? That's what we see here in Genesis chapter 3. God had given Adam and Eve every good thing that they needed when they were in the Garden of Eden. And that also included a command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? God knew what would happen if they ate from that tree, and he wanted to protect them from that. 
He wanted to protect all of his creation from the dangers of sin. And so as Moses gives us this historical account of what happened there in the garden, he was cautioning the believers that, um, that believing Satan's deception led God's people to rebel against God's good truth. See, there's times when, when I find myself thinking, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that my ways and my desires are better than what God has for me. Now, again, because I know the theology, I would never say that out loud, but my actions or my thoughts will say, yeah, I think I know what's best for me. I'm glad I'm not alone, right? There's some of you who are with me. Um, and, And then I think that if I'm just allowed to do what I want for a while, maybe not forever, but for a while or in certain areas then I might be a little bit happier or I might have some more good things coming my way than if I'm just always doing what God has commanded me to do. Thank you, John, for that vigorous head nod. (laughs) I'm not alone, right? But it's in those times where I have to remind myself that God's goodness protects us from sin when we believe his good truth over Satan's deception. It's God's goodness that protects us from the dangers, from the consequences of sin because we believe God's good truth over Satan's deceptions. So today we're going to talk about God's goodness in Genesis chapter 3. And I was talking with Pastor Michelle earlier. Um, Her prayer before service was all about God's goodness. She had no idea what I was preaching on. Um, Normally there's some communication with the worship leader over songs. I didn't, I forgot to do that this week. But Brandy touched on goodness in her songs and God's blessing there's so much goodness around us. RSL touched like the goodness that she felt walking in here. And that is genuine, right? Because it's from God and not just we're trying to attract people and make everybody feel good here. It's the goodness of God on display. We're going to look at God's goodness here in Genesis 3. So we're going to look at three things. One, we're going to see how God's goodness is a target for Satan's deceptions. We'll see how God's goodness protects us from the consequences that sin would bring. And that God's goodness gives us everything that we need. So God's goodness is a target for Satan's deceptions. Satan accused God of holding good things back from Adam and Eve. Look at verse 5. He says, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So Satan is sitting here being like, look, if you eat from this tree, there's a whole, this truth, there's a, this tree, truth is going to come later. This tree, there's a whole lot of goodness that's going to come your way right? Now take off what we know about this passage and that it brought sin to the world. If you had the chance to be like God, I mean, imagine, right? Some of you aren't imagining because you're not smiling, right? I feel like if, if we had the chance to be God, like think about the unlimited power, the creativity, the goodness, the love that could flow from us, the justice, the righteousness. If I had all of that, I think that would be good. That could be good for me. That's what Satan is offering. He says, look, the God that you know, the God who created all of this, created you, who has given you all this, you could be like that. All you have to do is eat that fruit, and you got it. So Satan is describing God as like this this miser or or this hoarder of good things, saying, look, he's got goodness for you, but he's not going to give it to you. He's keeping it for himself. See, when temptation comes... 
most times is a test of whether we believe that God has our best interest at heart. Does God really want what's best for me? Most times, the temptation isn't about what's true. It's about what's good, what is good for us. When we are tempted to disobey God's commands, it's a questioning of whether we believe the goodness of what God has said. Is it right? Is it good for me? See, Satan came attacking the truth. He started there. And he said, well, did God really say you can't eat any of these trees? But Eve knew the truth, right? You notice she wasn't like, man, I don't remember. Maybe I should check back in because I'm not really clear on the instructions here, right? No, she was like, no, we can eat from all these trees. Satan tried to destroy the truth. He's like, God said you can't eat any of this stuff. She's like, no, we can eat all this. We just can't eat that one. Now, she did mess up the truth a little bit. Because she's saying, well, God said we can't even touch it. Well, it's not totally true. She's very much like us. Sometimes we don't get all of the truth or we add things to it. But she knew the truth. She knew what God had said. It wasn't a question of like, well, let me go check the Bible because I'm not sure what it says about this. She knew right and wrong here. But what she questioned was whether it was good for her. See, we don't often question whether something is true or not, especially those of us who have been following Christ for a while, most of us know what is right and wrong. We know what the Bible says about most of the temptations that come our way. When I'm tempted to lie because my reputation might be at stake, I don't have to go search the Bible whether, I, whether lying is right or wrong. I know that. But in that moment, I have to question, what is good for me? What is best for me? Why does Satan discredit God's goodness? If he can take his goodness away in our minds, then God becomes nothing more than a dictator or at very best, a puppet master. See, without his goodness, God's commands are just a a list of rules for us to to obey with no purpose. Without his goodness, there, there is no relationship that connects me to God to understand why these commands are here for me. Without God's goodness, he is nothing more than a dictator who just wants us to do his will for no apparent reason other than he can control us. So what truth of God is hard to reconcile with his goodness towards you? Or to put it another way, what what truth of God doesn't seem like it's good for you? So when you read through, through scripture, when you hear some of these commands, whether it's commands not to do something, commands to do something, What doesn't seem like it's for your good? I'll give you one example. So a couple years ago, some of you who who know the story of our last couple years, I was without a job, right? I left a a full-time ministry position, been there for a long time, lots of security. Um, I chose to leave. And in my mind, see, I, I knew God was a provider. I knew he would take care of our needs as a family. But in my mind... That looks like giving me another full-time job before this one runs out. God did not do that. And while I never questioned the truth of God's provision, well, okay, maybe I did a few times, all right? I'm not going to lie here. (laughs) That would be wrong. But for the most part, I didn't question God's provision. I knew that he would take care of us. But in my mind, The good provision of God meant a full-time job with a secure paycheck coming on a regular basis. What God did was provide multiple part-time jobs at different seasons, seemingly random checks and people to come pay bills over the course of years. 
that didn't align with what I thought was good for me. Looking back, I know it was exactly what I needed because God strengthened my faith and my trust in him as a provider. God did amazing things through those different part-time jobs and built relationships and connections. I was able to be used by God in ways that I didn't think I was going to be used anymore. I thought those seasons were over. But in the midst of that, I questioned whether this was good for me and my family. So what truth of God is hard for you to reconcile with his goodness towards you? Because of its essential place in God's character, Satan will always target God's goodness with his deceptions. Now, he might attack truth at times, but more often he's going to try to convince us that God is not on our side, that God is not for us, he is not good to us. Satan targets God's goodness because God's goodness is what protects us from the consequences that sin would bring our way. See, God knew what would happen to Adam and Eve if they ate from that tree. One, because he knows all things. He knows the future. He knew what was going to happen. But even if we take that element of who God is away, God knew the potential that could happen. God knew the dangers of sin that, that was just waiting for Adam and Eve if they disobeyed. And so the destruction of sin was always something that God wanted to protect his creation from. Now, again, when we say that God wasn't surprised by any of this, sometimes, for me, I'll just speak for myself, because I've heard this story so often, and I know the theology behind it, sometimes it can water down the fact that God didn't want this for us. Because he knew it was going to happen, I knew he had a plan, all of this from the beginning, God did not want this to happen. Because of his goodness, he put rules in place to protect Adam and Eve and all of creation from the dangers of sin. In a similar fashion, I, I might not be able to see the future like God can, but I know what will happen if I give my kids screen time for hours and hours and hours on end. It's not good for them. They become whiny and irritable, and they just cause havoc in our house. And it's not good for me as a parent, for my wife as a parent. It's not good for our family. I, I know the dangers, and so I try to protect my kids from that the same way God has given us commands to protect us from the consequences of sin that will come our way. See, there's always a purpose behind God's commands. I'll admit, hopefully I'm not the only one, so please let me know. As a father, there are times where I give commands without purpose. I'm hoping you're laughing with me. There are times, and it's usually born out of my frustration or my lack of patience, and it usually has something to do with, can you go in the other room and be quiet? <laughs> right? Or right now, can you just give me some space? And, and you can tell it has no purpose, because if my child asks me why, I will say something close to, because I said so. <laughs> now, that may mean I don't want to take the time to explain all this to you, or it may mean that my reason is selfish, and I just don't want you right here underneath me right at this moment. But the purpose is definitely not for their good. It is for my good, my sanity. You can make an argument that my sanity is for their good, but I think that might be a reach in that moment. But God is not like me. Thank him for that. God is not like a parent who gets frustrated and said, I just need you to obey, and I'm not telling you why. I don't care why. Just do what I said. God has a purpose behind every command. 
And his purpose is always for our good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, all means all, and that's all, all means. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who he has called according to his purpose. In every area of your life, God is working for your good. Let that sink in. Every single thing that has come into your life, God is using for your good. But the problem again comes when what we think is good for us doesn't align with what God says is good for us. See, Eve, if you'll notice, after hearing Satan's words and his argument, Eve looks at the tree in a different way. She sees that it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye, and that is desirable for gaining wisdom. It's good, it's pleasing, it's desirable. See, she saw the goodness in the tree instead of the goodness in her God. How many times do we see the goodness in our own desires instead of the goodness in what God desires for us? What was good to her in the moment did not line up with what God had already said was good for her. All right, it's it's tax season. Um, I do my taxes on my own um, using one of the online tax services. And the joy and the frustration um, is found in the same thing. That number at the very top of the screen that shows my refund. As I'm entering my information, I'm putting in my W-2s, I'm putting in, you know, all my different information. I'm entering all of my kids because that's a tax break right there that I look forward to every year, right? I'm putting all this stuff in and I either have immense joy as that number climbs or immense frustration as that number drops. Now, I'll tell you a story. Previous job, again, I was in ministry and I was getting a, a housing allowance that they set up for pastors at times. And so the very first time I did that, you, you, I get to that page on the thing and there's like four different options. Are you filing this way, this way, this way? Have you had this tax removed, this tax removed? I had no idea. It was my first time ever doing this. So I start clicking on each one and I see that number go up, down. All, and so I'm like, well, I'm not really sure which one, but I like this choice, right? <laughs> that number just went through the roof. I want that one. Now, after doing some research and asking some other people, I found out that is not the one I should be checking. I didn't file yet. I was, I was in the midst. I did not lie on my taxes. Let that be known. But the temptation to say, man, with the click of a button, that number drops incredibly or raises incredibly. That seems good for me, right? That seems like a good thing for our family. I don't see how in any way that could not be good for us. (laughs) What I had to remind myself, in that moment, I I know lying is wrong. Again, there's no question of what the truth of the matter is. But what is good for me will never violate God's truth. There is no thing that is good for me, truly good for me, that will make me go counter to what God has commanded. My dad is a pastor. Real quick, this isn't in my notes, sorry. Uh, my dad is a pastor, and he has so many stories of people coming to him and be like, well, I think God wants me to do this, A, B, and C. And he's like, well, A, B, and C definitely violates one, two, three over here. So I don't think God really wants you to do this because he's telling you to sin if that's what he wants you to do. But it's, 
And, and we sit here and be like, okay, yeah, duh. But how often do we do that? Say, I think this is the right thing to do, knowing that I'm going to violate Scripture if I do that. God's goodness, what is good for me, will never violate his truth. So where have you sought your own good over God's truth? Maybe you've chosen material comfort over God's generosity. Or maybe we've chosen our status over the service of others. Maybe, and especially but not exclusively for our students, maybe we've chosen reputation or popularity over being a friend to the hurting or the lonely. Maybe we've chosen silence over being a voice of the oppressed or against injustice. Where have we chosen what seems good for us over the truth of God's word? Because again, God's goodness is a target for Satan's deceptions because his goodness is the protection against the consequences of sin that will come into our life. So lastly, instead of grasping for what we think is good, we need to realize that God's goodness gives us everything that is good for us. God's goodness gives us everything that is good for us. Originally, when I, and actually, I think I didn't change my notes earlier, but originally I had this word that God's goodness gives us everything that we need, which is also true. But sometimes there are things we know we need, but it doesn't seem good for us. Right? But God's goodness actually gives us everything that is good for us. Adam and Eve had everything that they needed. They were sitting in the garden. They had all this abundance. They didn't need to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for food. They had food. They had more than enough. There wasn't a need that wasn't being fulfilled there. They had what they needed. They had perfected communion with God. He would come and spend time with them in the garden. They, they didn't need to become like God to be with God. They were already with God. They even had work with no hardships. Think about it. The, the word work is a negative word for us. Man, that was work. But they had, their work was ease and joy. I can't even understand that. Like, I, somebody said to me the other day, you know, I mean, you guys all know it, like, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's not even true, right? You can love what you do, but there's still aspects that you don't like to do. Or there's just days where it's like, I don't love it as much today as I did yesterday. Because work is hard. But their work was easy and joyful. They were tending the garden. They were told to be fruitful and multiply and take care of this garden. And they had all of that without any of the negative connotations that come along with it. But they traded the goodness of God that they did have for what they thought they were lacking. They traded the abundance of the, of the garden and ended up working the ground for their food. They traded perfected communion with God and ended up with shame and guilt and separation from him. They traded the ease and joy of work for toil and pain. See, God has given us everything that we need and everything that is good for us as well, just like he did for Adam and Eve. First Peter, or 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
God has given us everything that we need. There is nothing that we are lacking in. There is no thing that we need that is found outside of him. He's given us his word to equip us. He's given us his spirit to be with us. He's given us his power to strengthen us. He's given us his love to flow through us. He's given us his peace to guard us. And he's given his life to save us. So what I'd like for us to do this week, or you can even start now, but what I'd like for us to do this week is to make a list of all of the good things that God has given you. As many as you can think of, from the very small to the very large, all of the good things that God has given you. So that when we are tempted to trade God's goodness for what we think is good, when it doesn't seem like God is being good towards you, or when you feel like you are lacking something in your life, you can go back to this list and say, look at the goodness of God and what he has done. I was reminded of the old song, Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one. All right, count your many blessings, see what God has done. I'm not going to sing that. I'm not that kind of preacher. Make somebody else come up and sing it. But, but the truth is there. If we can name the goodness of God in our lives, we can see what he's done. Why is the testimony so powerful? Because it speaks to the goodness of God in our lives. And if God has been good to RSL, and he loves me just like he loves her, then he's going to be good to me as well. And there are times where we forget how good God is. We need to be reminded. So make a list Post it somewhere, revisit it in those times where you feel like God is not being good to you in that moment. Or when you're tempted to find goodness outside of the truth of his word. He has given us all of this and so much more because God's goodness gives us everything that is good for us. God in his goodness gave Adam and Eve everything they needed to live healthy and fulfilled lives free from sin recognizing the goodness of God's commands would have seen humanity live forever in perfected communion with God. It would have seen humanity live in perfected communion with one another, with all of creation forever, if they had seen the goodness of God in this one command. But they chose to believe Satan's deception, believing God to be a hoarder of good things instead of a giver of good things. And ultimately, they gave up that perfected communion with him. But our God is a good God. Amen? Amen. Our God is a giver of good things. He always has our best interest at heart. While we might not always understand his commands and his ways, we can trust that he is always good. Because he is good, God will always protect us when we believe his good truth. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness in our lives, especially at those times where we don't feel your goodness. When, when, when we're not sure if the commands or the situations you put us in are actually for our good, Father, I pray that you would remind us of how good you are. Father, help us to remember that you are a loving Father, and fathers at times have to treat their children in ways that seem 
maybe as if the, the goodness isn't there. But Father, remind us that you are always good to us. You always have our best interests in mind. There's nobody else who can love us like you love us. There is nobody else who cares for us like you care for us. So, Father, remind us of your goodness. Keep it close to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.